Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited today to have Heather Nelson on the podcast talking about corporate fundraising. We hear all the time how important corporate fundraising is, Mm -hmm. and we see a lot of organizations not do it quite right. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, all right? Because obviously the first question when you're a small organization and you don't have any corporate partners, how do you get them, right? So... So I think that's one of the, the, the real central questions that, that Heather is going to help us uh, sort of figure out the answer to that one. Um, but also, yeah, once you have that cor- corporate partner, how do you um, continue to engage them uh, year after year? Because as we all know, like it's not always a sure thing. Totally. And companies can be really fickle. And what I love about this interview is that Heather really focuses on the relationship nature of Mm-hmm. corporate giving as well as the sort of corporate bottom line and it really is right. a marriage of those two absolutely like you know we've we've seen this in the past where an organization um, who has had a very sort of familiar relationship with their corporate sponsor and have been able to secure you know funding year after year but then all of a sudden that person leaves the organization they leave the the, the company uh, and you're faced with a new leader and then you don't have that same kind of chummy relationship and and that at that point you really have to go back and rely on on the past work that you've done and, and hope that it's well documented and hope that that story of, of your organization's relationship to that corporation has traveled beyond that just that individual who you, who you had that relationship with because if it's entirely relationship based it's not going to be it's not going to be long term it's not going to to stand the test of time and if you forget about the relationship you risk losing or or working extra hard year after year to get that money i think that's a great intro so without further ado let me introduce heather nelson from bridge rays hi cindy thanks for having me it is such a pleasure um now heather we often will go into a small organization and everyone starts asking about corporate fundraising as the seemingly easy solution to all of their funding needs. Is that accurate? You know, Cindy, there is no easy fundraising solution. I think we all know that fundraising, you know, has best practice, takes effort, and corporate fundraising is no different. Uh, you know, I think people have seen some, you know, great success stories, and they have this dream that there's a big corporate check that will solve all their problems. And while I would love to be the person to say yes, that's you know, sitting right there for you. Uh, the reality is corporate fundraising does take work. It, it, it has a specific set of best practices and systems that you need in place to be successful. And while, you know, we've all seen really successful partnerships that have made a huge difference for organizations, they all take effort. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're not here to um, dissuade you from corporate from pursuing corporate support, but what we are here to do is give you some guidelines or help you understand how to be successful with that. So I want to start with the basics, which is, you know, even having an appropriate conversation, understanding what we're all talking about. Can you share, like, there's a lot of terms that are thrown around. Can you kind of 
do a little glossary or help us define what different corporate support could look like? Sure. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to dissuade anyway. I think corporate fundraising and and partnerships between corporate corporations or businesses and our organizations, our charities are super important and can be really, really valuable for both parties. Uh, but you're right. Like there's a lot of different terminology. And, and, and the reason the terminology I think is, is kind of important in this case is because you want to make sure you're having the right conversation with the right person at the company or business. And often terminology sort of influences that a bit. And also you want to make sure you're talking about the same thing, right? So when I talk about raising money from companies by a charity, you could be raising it for community from a community investment department. And in that case, you know, it's a grant and the kind of fundraising that we're talking about is uh, based on philanthropy. This, generally speaking, is not a growing pie in Canada right now, uh, but it is a really common source. And then we also have the terminology sponsorship, which is out there. And, and that term is important to think about from the perspective of that means you're talking about providing the company with marketing or PR, like media coverage, uh, some kind of connection with their customer that they want, perhaps. And in that case, using that sponsorship term, if it's a bigger company, you're talking to their marketing department. If it's a small business, you might be talking to the, the, the business owner, but you're talking to the business owner from the perspective of raising the visibility of their business. And of course, there's the big cause marketing term, which is, you know, a term that really gets used for a lot of different things, depending on what seat you're sitting in. Uh, but, you know, at the basic level, it is sort of a a partnership between a company and a charity where there's mutual value. And most often that mutual value on the business side involves some kind of marketing benefit, business benefit. So really important to know those different terms. I do have a cheat sheet in my, in my arsenal that you can, you can access from me that kind of goes through. If you're talking in this term, this is who you should be talking to. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to share that with, uh, with our listeners. Amazing. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. So can you tell us a little bit about what corporate fundraising has looked like in your past with a small shop? Like what does success, because we're not talking about this, success doesn't look the same as if you were one of the big organizations, right? What does, what has your experience been in building a successful fundraising, corporate fundraising program? Sure, you're right. I think um, there are, there are differences, obviously, between a, a corporate partnership or a partnership between a business and a charity when it's really big or really small. But there's some things that kind of remain true regardless. And I think that those are the things that really become the core of what you need to worry about. So for one thing, there needs to be a reason why you're in a relationship together. Okay, that's that has to exist if it's small or if it's big. And as the charity, you need to know what that is. So are we in a relationship together because uh, the business owner has a personal commitment to this particular cause, perhaps because of something that's happened in their lives? Or are we in this conversation together because our audiences are the same? Are we in this together because are the employees of the business gain some benefit from something your charity has to offer? These are different reasons. But knowing what that why, why we're together in this is a really fundamental piece of the puzzle. 
I also think that um, knowing what opportunity exists uh, for you to offer uh, and being very comfortable in offering that. So if you're promising something, you need to be able to deliver and uh, not delivering not only lets down your partnership, but also, frankly, lets down the other charities that are also trying to prove that we can really be in this with the company. So I really try hard to get people to think about in advance of their of their conversation, what is it I'm comfortable committing to that I can really make happen? And don't promise something that 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 you can't fulfill. Which I think is so important for small organizations because we don't always have a lot of capacity to deliver things. So what are some places like how do we start to think about what and I know we talked a little like offline, we've talked about valuation, but like what are, are the things that have value to the companies, um, especially around marketing that we can either build up or commit to? And how do we how do we start to build that um, toolkit or that arsenal? Sure. Well, I think one of the first places to start is is to decide, are you are you offering marketing benefit? Or are you, tr- are you getting this money for a philanthropic reason and then saying thank you? And so those are a, that's a line that you need to understand. The difference between, you know, accessing funding that is meant for philanthropic purposes and then providing a really thoughtful thank you and maintaining the relationship that way is more aligned with how you would do a major gift uh, fundraising ask. Uh, on, on the sponsorship side, then you're thinking about marketing value and then you do need to be able to provide different um, marketing benefits. And that might be an engagement with the customer so, uh, or it might be social media, that kind of thing. And what I would say makes is the easiest thing at that on that side of the equation to look at is are you offering something that's year-round where you're, you're saying, okay, throughout the year, I am going to provide visibility to your company in this variety of ways. And then you're calendaring that out and doing what it is that you've promised. Or are you associating it with one specific event, which you kind of can draw a box around and say, all the things I'm going to offer you are directly connected with this one event. And that doesn't mean you ignore the person the rest of the year, which is totally one of my big coaching things is don't forget the person the rest of the year stay in touch but the real value that you're trying to measure offer and report on is all within this box of an event I love that and I think increasingly we're seeing a hybrid of support so it's not just like straight sponsorship and focus on marketing but it's sort of a little bit of that a little bit philanthropic can you talk to that at all yeah it it is really common to have a combination and I think that this comes at least partially from, you know, one of the big differentiators of working with a charity is the desire of the company and the person working on the project, frankly, to feel good about what they're doing. And this is a benefit that you have and you should be leveraging it as much as you can. Having said that, even if that is a component of the actual partnership, most often the success metrics are based on the actual marketing or customer related deliverables the the messaging that you're getting out there and the you know ability to deliver on something that's meaningful in the community or meaningful in the world 
is an important part. It definitely, you know, speaks to the the heart, of, perhaps, of the of the agreement and at the heart of the person who's on the other end. But it's very difficult to measure, and there's probably more than one organization out there that can respond to that side. So how you continue your ability to differentiate is being by being super successful on the metric side of things and on the relationship management side of things so that you really do a nice job of taking care and making it easy for them to stay with you and not look for someone else. I love that. I think that um, oftentimes the relationship side is very overlooked. And I'd love for you to walk us through even like the very, the whole relationship, but let's, I'll break it down. Let's break it down into a couple steps. So the first is like, okay, we're committing to starting to raise money from companies. Um, How do we start? Where do you look for? What company should you look at? And then how do you start a relationship? Sure. Well, you know, it's funny when you talk about where do we start and what companies do we start with, because that answer can be extremely different for different people uh, and different organizations. And the probably the hardest thing, which is a total truth from my point of view in, in corporate fundraising, is success gets other success. When you look at the organizations that are getting money from a company, they're the organizations that are getting money from all the companies. And we ask ourselves why, because often their mission is no better than yours, right? And how that happens is I do believe that there is a bit of a sense that if certain, you know, really well-respected companies in Canada are on your list, then it gives the other companies and businesses a lot of confidence in your credibility and your ability to to produce for them. So Getting the first few is a real priority, and you need to do that by leveraging relationships you have. And so, you know, your first few are not going to come from a cold call. You need to get a couple in in your camp first, whether it's through um, a board connection, somebody that's connected through your programming staff, which I think is a frequently overlooked opportunity. Right. You know, those programming people have built up a ton of credibility and they know companies. They do somehow one way or the other. And you need to tap into those warm connections to get your first couple of companies. After that, there's lots of things you can do. Be at conferences, go to meetups, you know, ask your friends and family, search LinkedIn. I mean, there's lots of strategies to build your prospect pipeline from the starting point. But for me, Getting those first few, um, you know, less than five, like two or three, but at least one well-known company or business in your, for your community. So if you're in a small town, that could be the local branch of a bank or a retailer. If you're obviously a national organization, we all know who they are, the big banks, big insurance companies, big re- retailers. You need one to get yourself started or two, and that will help you spread spread around to other sectors, other areas, other funders. 
Yes. I mean, all of that is so true to my experience. And I'd love to deep dive a little bit into, because the programming staff is like a little golden nugget of truth right there. And we're actually doing that with one of our clients right now is they have a regular supplier and we've built a relationship where they're now raising like $15,000, a small local business. So how do you start in terms of now you've identified a company that's a supplier for your your organization. They're not necessarily one of those big banks, and if they are, maybe they're in a local, maybe it's a local branch. But how do you convince your program staff and empower them to help you start that conversation? You know, I think it really comes down to uh, them feeling really comfortable with what your plan is. And so again, I, I do parallel this a bit to those of us who have experience in major gift fundraising and talking to a board or, or a cabinet member about you know, the plans to make an ask. And, and it's a very similar process. You need to spend some time with that program officer, program director, sharing what your plan is. You know, there's this sense, I think, in the world that, you know, the first thing a fundraiser is going to do is say, hey, and can you give me a million dollars, like without any preamble, right? And so it is important for you to spend the time to talk about what the plan is. Maybe the plan is, can we go together and have a coffee with this person? And I promise you, I will not talk about money for the whole half hour that we're together, right? Because as you know, Cindy, like we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things that aren't money. Totally. And so um, we talked before about that first conversation. A lot of people think you go in with a hard pitch. That's the other thing. When we get asked from organizations to do smaller projects, they're like, can you please develop a pitch deck for us? And uh, I think we're on the same page and that that's not actually where you want to start. But how do you start? Yeah, so it's definitely not where you start. And I, I do always feel bad for organizations who have spent a ton of money in a pitch deck or a, a, in something that looks really fancy uh, and it doesn't have a message that matches the person that they're going to talk to. And so my advice with getting started is is twofold. One is you need to work on some questions. Uh, again, happy to share some question examples with, with, with everybody, but you've got to start with some questions and you want as much as possible to be asking questions and listening. Um, the good thing about this, this also allows you to adapt your message back to the person. So on the other side, you want to have some key messages that you really feel comfortable with, that you're going to use to respond and keep the conversation going and really think about the first one or even two meetings as an opportunity to get to know the person, to get to know the company, to get to know what, what possibility there might be for you guys together and move that conversation forward. The exception is if you're an organization that is operating in sort of that sort of mid-size ask, and as soon as you talk to the person, you say, you think there's an opportunity for something smaller, but really this is not going to go somewhere big, then I'm like, okay, you can follow up with a, a hard ask right after that. But if there's any potential at all, <laughs> if there's any potential at all, and I really, I really push people to consider all the possibilities of where this could go, then I suggest follow-up conversations, more questions, and eventually offer up a draft, a draft proposal, 
a draft email even that has some of the ideas in it. All this can happen well before anything gets put into a fancy format. I love the offering of a draft because what you want to do and what you just described is getting, helping, giving them the opportunity to help shape how their support looks, which is going to get you a lot further to yes than any other strategy. So it's great. For sure. And it's also going to save you time in the long run, right? Like how often do we all see things being delivered for a company that they don't even really value. And maybe the one thing they wanted the very most is somehow the one thing that just never gets done. And if you took all the time that you're spending on the things that they don't value and put it into being really awesome at the one thing they really, really want, you're well ahead, right? So I do think of this as a time-saving strategy. Have the conversation first then you even know, do they even need a fancy deck? Maybe they need a certain form filled out. Maybe they just need a letter. Like you may save yourself a ton of time and a ton of anxiety around like, did I get it right? You know, you've got it right if they've told you what they want in there. And you're more likely to get money. <laughs> well, this is it, right? You know, it's it, once, once you've invested time and they've invested time and ideally you've found some kind of personal connection or a friendly professional relationship, it's way harder to, for them to say no at that point, right? If they've invested very little, like they received an email with an attachment, there's no investment on their part. They don't know you. They're not connected with you. They're not, they haven't heard your passion for the cause in the conversation you've had. Uh, they've invested nothing. So it's really easy at that point to say no, much harder after a few calls, a coffee, they know your face, they know your smile, a lot harder to say no at that point. Absolutely. So you follow all those steps. You have a successful ask. You mentioned before the ongoing stewardship and a lot of organizations are really guilty of like thinking that it's one and done and like, thank you very much. We'll see you next year. What advice do you have on how to build out that relationship over the throughout the year? And what benefit does that have? You know, it's so funny you say that because not only have I heard that approach, the one and done, but I've also frequently heard people say, oh, well, and they're at their company or their business. They don't want to be bothered. Like I should only come to them when I have like the next thing ready. And my response to that is, you know, it's true they don't want to be bothered if bothering is providing like just, you know, inundating their email with things that aren't of value absolutely, you should not do that. No right? one wants that, right? right? Like, yeah. yeah, you think about yourself. But when you get something in your inbox or you get a happy phone call, that's not being bothered. That's being lifted, right? And so it's so, I think it's so hard if you're a, if you're thinking about a corporate ask or, or re-engaging a corporate partner to look at your calendar and say, oh my goodness, the last time I talked to this person was eight months ago. Like what a huge pressure you've now put on yourself for this call or email to be awesome, Right. It's the first time you're reaching out in eight months. You don't want to get it wrong. If, you know, every three to six months, depending on the size, maybe every month, if it's a, it's a bigger partner of yours, you are doing something small to maintain contact, not always expecting them to do something in return. Then when you come to the point where you have to do something that's a bit bigger and more significant, it doesn't feel so huge anymore, right? It's not this massive mountain in front of you. It's the person that you reached out to. Um, and so then the question is, what do you do to create um, some items of value that aren't that difficult? 
And I know for small organizations, it is really hard to like put aside that time. And it seems, you know, just massive of what to do. And so I have a few tips. One of them is, you know, think about a day that is significant in your organization, whether it be something like, you know, volunteer day or peace day or hunger day, whatever, you know, and on that day, inevitably, there'll be either a newspaper article or a video or something done by somebody else. And you can write a one sentence email that says, hey, I saw this and I thought of you or so glad you're a volunteer on my or at my organization, like one sentence, two sentences, your name, bang, done, right? It's not doesn't have to be, you know, massive, it doesn't have to be glossy, it doesn't have to be like a huge thing. It's just a way to remind them that you exist and that you appreciate them. Totally. And like, there's so many little things. It's, it's really about that personal touch. Like when I was at a small organization early on in my career, one of the things I did was go into the companies and tell the employees about their support and the impact of that support. So it's not just about um, reporting back specifically around the gift, but building that deeper relationship with the company and all of their stakeholders. Absolutely. And that, and that goes to like another one, like you know, keep an eye on something like the top 100 company list or the local businesses that matter or, you know, there's awards, there's things. If one of your prospects or partners gets recognized, another great opportunity to say, hey, you know, that's awesome. Wow. Right. Or send a little card that says congrats. Right. These are things that aren't that complicated you know, you do have to put aside a little bit of time. I'm not going to pretend you're not putting aside a little bit of time. But I sort of say you can put aside a half hour once a month and come up with one or two to do for one or two companies and then then put it aside and, you know, hit it again the next month, right? Absolutely. And I, I'd love to talk about the difference between going, like building these partnerships with big national or sometimes multinational companies versus small organizations because we always always hear well we need to go after this bank we need to go after that bank they have so much money we need a piece of that pie and and then they think that you're asking for like like the organizations like let's ask for a hundred thousand dollars um because they have money and there's a lot wrong with that, but I'd love to talk about instead of what's wrong with it, what are some alternatives? How do you look at what success looks like and where are the less obvious opportunities for success? Sure. I, you know, I, I think that some of those larger organizations have well thought through what their plans are, how they decide about uh, revenue and where it goes. There are other companies out there um, who are equally generous, proportional to their um, revenue or size of business, uh, who may have a slightly less sophisticated system for selection. And I think that if you're an an organization who also has a less sophisticated system, that this might be a good match. So you might want to actually be looking for companies um, who have a little bit less stake in the game, who've spent a little bit less time really defining what their CSR program is, what their community investment program is. Uh, I will say my little tip is I think often these companies are not 
customer-facing companies. Uh, so if you're talking locally, sure, then you're you know you're doing developing a personal relationship and and uh, with a local business, and that is a great opportunity as well. But if you're trying to get to some of the, the sort of slightly bigger than that companies, I would be looking at some of the ones that aren't customer facing because customer facing companies tend to have put a lot more resources against the marketing value of their charitable gifts than companies that are either business to business or, 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 you know, in some other sector altogether, uh, where they don't have to worry about that at the same level. And they might be looking at, um, industry, um, success. So that might be a place to look and, you know, it's always where to get started. You're looking at organizations that are giving to others, um, who have sponsored other things, or again, mine your network, right? And where do they know uh, people? Yeah. And earlier you mentioned like the bank branches. So for a lot of you know, instead of thinking about that hundred thousand dollars from Bank A that you're probably never going to get. Could you, like, what does it look like to go to that local branch and ask for a 1000 or $5,000? Sure. Uh, well, it's a super good idea. That's what that is. And I would say, you know, generally speaking, the branches of, of national companies, whether it's a bank or insurance company, retailers, all have some, some resources put aside for these sorts of things. Uh, they all do. Uh, how much does, does depend on the size, obviously, of the company. And also, it's a great opportunity um, to get started because I do feel that many of those national organizations do identify future opportunities from charities that are getting a gift or support from the employees of a branch. So it's an I would say when you're making those kind of asks, it is important for you to both be thinking about asking for money, but also how are you going to engage that um, organization in, in your work? Because it is, you want to create a real tie between that branch. Now they're local, right? They're just down the street from you probably with your charity either through a volunteerism, an event, uh, you going in and doing something fun at their place, because they will continue to give to you if the employees that work there are excited about it. That is another thing that I see come up all the time, which is organizations that actually have pretty good employee engagement with a local or a big company. Uh, So they'll come and do a volunteer day or something like that. Uh, But they don't know how to take that activity and turn it into a conversation around financial support. What advice do you have around that? Sure. I think changing conversations from one place to another is difficult, right? I I don't want to pretend that that's an easy thing to do because the fact of the matter is, you know, once a company and a, and a charity develop a, like a, a comfortable relationship where, where they both feel like the other one is happy to shift the conversation can be really hard. So I do, uh, I do suggest that you really do have to spend some time and think about what your reasoning is, what you're going to say to make that shift. And uh, there's different strategies you can put in place. You might have um, 
a policy that the board has now put in place that gives you the opportunity to say, well, there's going to be a change. My board has discussed this. And so you might want to put it on somebody else. You might also come up with an offer that is different. So if employee uh, engagement is the, is the starting point, you maybe go to them and talk to them about a community-based outreach opportunity that you now have. And so you're just asking them if they'll listen to you talk about something different for a few minutes. And I, I start with those. You, you want to start with the person that you know uh, the best and talk to them. Maybe you want to strategize with them about how to make that happen. So it could be getting somebody in your camp that also wants you to get money from that company. And often there's an employee that's coming for an employee engagement or is a volunteer in your organization or who you know the best who wants to help you. And this is an opportunity to really leverage that opportunity. Yeah, I think that's so important because it's not their personal money. And I mean, I have no problem asking people for money. Obviously, that's my job as a fundraiser. But it's even easier when you think about these volunteers or, or champions as people who can actually help you navigate that company. And and it's not their money. They want, they're giving them money away anyways. They want it to go to an organization that matters to them. Absolutely. And I mean, there's so, there's, companies have structures that we expect, but just like a family or any other thing, right? There's like the structure you expect. And then there's the person that's really like making crap happen. And I I feel like, you know, getting the inside scoop, you'll often find like, who is the real influencer there? Why are some of these decisions being made? And you can find out really important information for how you proceed. And that, you know, is invaluable. Which takes us right back to the beginning of this is all relationship based. And the more that someone is guiding you on how to do that ask internally, the more successful you're going to be. So I think that's a nice little um, wrap wrap around in terms of coming back to the beginning. I do want to ask you about any sort of common pitfalls you think organizations, small organizations in particular, uh, face and how to avoid those? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I think uh, I think that before you get started, you do need to have, uh, as I previously said, you need to have some messages. You need to have a bit of a framework of what you're offering and in what context. So I don't recommend like, spending a ton of time on policy development and all kinds of crazy things. But a couple of pages where you've kind of written down what your plans are, ideally sort of vetted that internally and got a bit of buy-in, you know, these are some things that are important to have in place. So you have the confidence to go forward. And I, I do find sometimes, you know, there's different kinds of people out there. So sometimes there's a fundraiser who goes way down the road and then finds out that the organization they work for isn't comfortable with what they've offered. And that obviously is very demoralizing and and you've wasted time. So you don't want to do that. So you do want to have some of these fundamentals in place, even at the most basic level. And then, you know, I think another one that we already talked about is sort of leading with the ask or leading with the pitch or leading with filling out the application form. You know, I, I really just reinforce all the time, it is critically important to have a conversation before you start sending things to people. That's that's the bottom line. So ask for 15 minutes. Try to get 15 minutes with somebody. If you can't, then you're you're going to someplace to meet people. But the fallback position of, oh, I couldn't get the call or I couldn't get a response, so I'll just send this anyway, is 
just not a strong strategy. Does it work every now and then? Everything works every now and then. But when we're really talking about building a sustainable strategy and using your time efficiently, I would rather you spend a lot more time on trying to get 15 minutes from a bunch of people until you get the one that does respond than try it once, it doesn't work, and then follow up with the like the, the the final product and hope that that gets something to happen um, in my experience that just is more deafening silence and and you you know really are trying to avoid that yeah and I I, I think that's a lovely way to end this conversation which is um, you can do this but there's really proven methodology around focusing on the relationship you know not going in with a, a pitch and your point around it saving time and being more successful, I think is what organizations really need to hear. If there's anything you take away, I think that's it, which is sometimes it feels easier or faster to develop one pitch and you know cold call or push it out to as many companies as you can. But in fact, it's more time consuming with lower results. Spend a little bit more time getting to know fewer organizations but making it meaningful and really uh, be more successful in your corporate fundraising so thank you yeah I love that I love the idea of people really setting their target at a smaller number of organizations but really being successful at that and once you're successful at a few you will be successful at more like I do believe that to be true once you've figured it out and you've got a couple of companies in your corner they will replicate through a little bit of additional effort but the additional effort is much smaller than when you're first getting started amazing Heather thank you so much uh, I want to end with where can people find more information about you and your services and other resources uh, my pleasure, and I and you can find out more about my services at my website, which is www.bridgeraise.com. I also love having conversations, asking questions, being a cheerleader for for corporate fundraisers everywhere. So don't hesitate to reach out to me, Heather at bridgeraise.com, and we can we can set up a time to chat, or I can answer a quick question. Um, I have resources I can send your way. So would love to hear from you, and uh, you know help you feel confidence around corporate fundraising. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.